Welcome again to Lex City Church. We love worshiping with you at lexcity.tv or live on our campus. We have lots of updates and encouraging posts on our Lex City social media. Make sure to follow us at Lex City Church to stay up to date on all things Lex City. I want to say a quick congratulations to all of the recent graduates out there. Whether you graduated from high school or college or maybe your master's, or perhaps you just completed a doctorate after like a billion years of studying. Congratulations. You challenged yourself to meet a goal and you did it. Our Lex City youth team decided to surprise some of our high school seniors with an impromptu graduation ceremony in their front yard. And it was amazing. Thanks TJ and all the Lex City Youth Volunteers who came out to support our seniors. Our student ministries, worship ministry, freedom and recovery ministry, kids ministry, community outreach, and so much more is only made possible by your giving. The easiest way to give is to go online to lexcity.info and click on give. Answer a few simple questions and you too can support all the awesome things going on in our church. Visit our Welcome Center in the atrium to drop up a physical donation or to learn more about Lex City Church. Well, today, Pastor Ryan will bring us week two in our series, The New Normal. Well, good morning, Lex City. We're so glad you've joined us, especially those of you that are online this morning. Hey, I wish you could see what I see as I look out over a congregation. We got people spread out all throughout the auditorium. Their masks are on. Their glasses are all fogged up after an amazing time of worship. Uh, we are just enjoying being together, whether you're online or whether that you're here. We're all trying to figure out what this new normal looks like. And you know, when you think about this idea of a new normal, there's usually two catalysts that bring us to that point. There's some external circumstance that comes in, or there's an internal initiative that drives us for something different. 
Well, last week we picked up our story with the nation of Israel. They, they stood on the banks of the Red Sea. They're just feet away, just a few steps from experiencing the deliverance that they have desired and prayed for for years. And what created this new normal that they were about to experience? It was an ex external circumstance in a man called Moses that changed everything. At this moment in time, as we pick up the story last week, the nation of Israel is simply responding to what has happened to them in these moments. The question is for them that we'll see over these next few weeks is this, how will you respond to the new normal? You know, for us as a church family, it's the same question, right? COVID-19 is this external circumstance that's come into our lives. And the question that we are continuing to answer because we're, we're literally right still in the middle of this is how will we respond to the new normal? That's an external circumstance. This morning during our time, I wanna take a closer look at an internal initiative that drives and creates this whole thing we're about to experience. You see, when we joined the story of the nation of Israel, when they were on the banks of the Red Sea, that was not the beginning of the story. The beginning of the story happened much earlier. The beginning of the story, there was an internal disruption in the life of one man that created this external new normal that we're about to experience. The nation of Israel is going to experience a radical change because one man in his own heart experienced a radical disruptive change in his own. That man was a Hebrew baby that the irony is that is now being cared for by the very Pharaoh who is trying to put him to death. So the big question that Moses had to ask as he leads into the new normal is really the question that I think you and I need to wrestle with even this morning. And the question is simply this. Where is your character, your conscience, and your calling compelling you to initiate a new normal? I mean, that's the key, right? Where in our lives is our character, we're going to see our, our conscience and our calling compelling you to initiate a new normal? You know, as your pastor, I, I, I've had to wrestle with this question in, in a way I never have in my 30-some years of ministry. I, for the first time in my ministry life, I, I felt this issue, what I would call as the issue of citizenship. And what I mean by that is simply this. I, first and foremost, I, I am a citizen of heaven as a follower of Christ. And secondly, I'm a citizen of this world or my country that I'm in. And, you know, Romans 13 reminds us of the value and the honor it is in, in, in following our authorities and the things that are in place. But the question is, what do we do when these two citizenships come into conflict? How do we deal with that? And how do we think about that? Now, let me just say really briefly, as I get into this, that so you hear me really clearly. I, I do not believe at this moment in time in Lexington, Kentucky, that these two issues of citizenship are in conflict. But for the first time in my ministry life, I've had to think and wrestle about how do we think about that? And for the first time, I can see so clearly how quickly these two areas of citizenship can come into conflict. In fact, in our story today, this is nothing new that we're dealing with that they didn't have to face even thousands of years ago. In our story, we're going to actually see two parties that we're going to look at that actually had to disobey the, the, the desires of the government, the law of the land at that time. We're going to first see it's Moses' parents. Pharaoh had made the edict that all young boys must be cast to death in the Nile River, and we're going to see Moses' parents decide to save their child. The second party that comes into this conflict was really the midwives and Pharaoh's daughter. 
once they found baby Moses, they were by law, by the government's law, were required to turn this child in, and yet they chose to nurture and grow this child up. Challenges the Bible teaches that in the end times, as we get closer to the return of the Lord, these issues of citizenship are going to continue to be challenges that we're going to have to walk through and face. So I share all of that this morning just to kind of let you know what's been going on in my heart, the things that I've been wrestling with and have been stirring. I mean, it's such a joy and it's a weight to to be your pastor in these uncertain times. And uh, my desire is just for me that I would learn what I'm going to teach to you today from the life of Moses, that I would make sure that, that my conscience, that my character, that my calling are never put in subjection to my desire for comfort and safety and security, that I'm willing to allow an internal disruption within my heart to happen that would produce a new normal in my life and the lives of others. And and that's my prayer for you today, that you would be driven by your character and your conscience and your calling, that you would allow the Holy Spirit to disrupt things and create in all of us a new normal that God has for you. So that's where we're heading this morning. So let's pick it up in Exodus chapter 2, verse 1. And about this time, a man and a woman from the tribe of Levi got married. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She saw that he was a special baby and kept him hidden for three months. Moms, can you imagine trying to keep your child, this infant, quiet for three months? Well, verse 3, but when she could no longer hide him, she got a basket made of papyrus reeds and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. She put the baby in the basket and laid it amongst the reeds along the bank of the Nile River. The baby's sister then stood at a distance watching to see what would happen to him. Soon Pharaoh's daughter came down to bathe in the river and her attendants walked along the river bank. When the princess saw the basket amongst the reeds, she sent her maid to get it for her. When the princess opened it, she saw the baby. The little boy was crying and she felt sorry for him. This must be one of the Hebrew children, she said. Then the baby's sister approached the princess. Should I go and find one of your Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? She asked. Yes, do, the princess replied. So the girl went and called the baby's mother. Take this baby and nurse him for me. The princess told the baby's mother, I will pay you for your help. So the woman took her baby home and nursed him. And you know, it's this part of the story where I love, I love the Lord's provision. Pharaoh, who is trying to kill Moses, is now actually paying to have Moses brought up and raised. I think it's awesome. And it's during these early, these formative years that Moses' parents begin to speak into him, to train him up, as the Bible says, in the way of the Lord. We know that much of your character and much of your conviction is really started and formed in these early years through the example of our parents, through nurture that happens within his. And what I love about Moses' parents from an early age is they modeled this. They modeled what it means to be a man or woman of courage and convictions. Parents, can I just say to you today, as we walk through COVID-19, listen, your children are watching. They're watching how you lead and how you walk through in your faith in these uncertain times. They're seeing how you put faith against fear where there is peace in your life rather than panic that could be next to you. Can I encourage you today to look around the room where you're watching this? Listen, those people within your family and the young people in your life, listen, it's the next generation of leaders the next generation who will lead in the way that they see modeled by you. So my encouragement for us today as parents is, listen, lead well. Teach your kids well the way of the Lord. Verse 10, later when the boy was older, his mother brought him back to Pharaoh's daughter who adopted him as his own son. The princess named him Moses, 
For she explained, I lifted him out of the water. Now, many years later, probably about 40 years later in the context of our story. Now, I want you to think about the, the context of where Moses finds himself. About 40 years, he's been Pharaoh's daughter. So listen, he received the best of Egypt had to offer, the best education, the best training, the most comfortable living surroundings. He was living the palace life, right? There was nothing he wanted day in and day out. But somewhere in these 40 years, and we don't know, the Bible doesn't say, we don't know if this came from his parents at an early teaching or somewhere later on, but Moses began to, came to an understanding that he was not actually Egyptian, that his heritage was that he was a Hebrew. And that truth began to disrupt something within his very own heart. It began to create an internal struggle that was there. And one of the things that we're going to see about Moses that I love about him, and I think you'll learn to continue to appreciate, is this. Moses was a man of high character who, who hated injustice. Uh, he was the one who always rooted for the underdog, those that were downtrodden. This was the people who Moses responded to in such a way. He always stood up for those things. And this was a value. This was a characteristic that burned deep within his heart. This was a conviction that he had to look out for those that were un the most unfortunate. This creates a conflict, especially in the context of the culture now. We're, we're in a patriarchy culture right now. We're in a place where slavery is, is embraced, where racism runs rampant, where women are diminished. And yet here's Moses who has a conviction about these things. And what I love about who he is is, listen, we're going to see over and over, Moses refuses to compromise his character and his conscience on these things, even though it was going to come at a high cost. And we're going to see it cost him the comfort that he had. In Moses' life, conviction always trumps comfort. We see it. Look at verse 11. Many years later, when Moses had grown up, he went out to visit his own people, the Hebrews. He saw how hard they were forced to work. And during his visit, he saw an Egyptian beating one of his fellow Hebrews. And in this point of the story, we, we have the moment of decision, right? This is the, the climactic moment where it goes one way or another. The comfort of Moses' current life versus an internal conviction in a, uh, that he has within his very heart. What he does in this moment will define the new normal. Now listen, we, we wouldn't blame Moses if he began to just justify and rationalize it. Oh, I just need to, I, I can't deal with it. That's not my problem. We, we wouldn't hold it against Moses if he just, listen, keep your head down, keep your mouth shut. Because listen, Moses is living the life most people would dream of living. And all of this is going to be put in jeopardy if he follows his conviction over his value for comfort. But Moses in this moment, what I like is he doesn't act opposite of, of his character. It's the same as many of you, men and women of impact. Listen, the first thing that you run through the grid of your thinking when you're making a decision is not, what is not the most secure or what makes me comfortable. You're going to run it through the grid of what is right. And what does my conscience say? And that was Moses. Verse 12. And after looking in all directions to make sure no one was watching, Moses killed the Egyptian and hid the body in the sand. So Moses acts and Moses responds. And I love throughout centuries, there have been arguments amongst Bible scholars. Was, was Moses acting uh, on his own out of God's will or was Moses acting according to what God would lead him in this moment when he kills the Egyptians? I mean, great men throughout uh, church history. Calvin thought that Moses was operating through the will of God in this moment. Uh, Augustine stressed that Moses had no legal authority to do this. And so what he did was not right. 
Some takes Acts chapter 7, verse 24, and say Acts chapter 7 implies that maybe Moses was operating out of self-defense. Others would say, are you crazy? Anger was a problem with Moses his entire life. It was characterized by that, and we'll see even a little later in the story how it impacts it. So this was just another time that Moses was taking God's time frame and doing it himself rather than waiting for the Lord. Listen, whichever way, whether Moses was impetuous or whether Moses was courageous in those moments, what I want us to walk away today is that decision, that new normal, cost him the comfort and security of his life. There is a value in Moses that was greater than comfort. Are you getting kind of the idea of where we're heading this morning? Verse 13 says this, The next day, when Moses went out to visit the people again, he saw two Hebrew men fighting. He says, why are you beating up your friend, Moses said to the one who started the fight. And the man replied, well, who appointed you to be our prince and our judge? Are you killing me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? <laughs> well, then Moses was afraid, thinking everyone knows what I did. And sure enough, Pharaoh heard what had happened, and he tries to kill Moses. And in these verses, Moses learns one of the first leadership laws that he's going to have to apply over and over in his life with the nation of Israel, especially during their time in the wilderness. That sometimes, even when you do the right thing, people don't always appreciate it. You ever experienced that? You made a hard decision, you made the right decision, and yet still the haters always hate? I mean, that's what Moses was experiencing in this moment. Rather than be thankful for that he has stood up for his people, they begin to do what? They begin to judge his motives at the very core of who he is. They say things like this, who made you prince and judge? It's ironic in the next chapter, Yahweh uh, assigns both Moses as prince and judge over the nation of Israel. So I just want to say to these guys, you know, just check your outrage at the door. It's all going to work out. Can I take just a moment this morning and, and rant to you a little about this new normal in our society? It's this culture of outrage that we have. I mean, just watch a newscast, uh, listen to a press conference, do anything on social media, and you'll quickly understand that outrage is the new normal, right? Whatever you're feeling, just say it loud enough, just be passionate about it, just be uncompromising. And if you're all those things, people will say, well, you're sure, you must be genuine. And if you're genuine, what you're saying must be true. Just be outraged. And so it happens. You've probably experienced. So you watch the news things and there's three little talking heads. And for three minutes, all we do is yell back and forth at each other and try to figure out who's the most outraged over the issue and who can create one talking point that can be retweeted over and over. And here's the problem is that we never have a meaningful exchange of ideas that could lead to change or lead to help. At a time in our culture, in a time in our country where we just need calm, rational thought, where, where unity moves the ball forward and disunity just keeps us stuck, when the needs of the people should be greater than the needs of any political party, unfortunately, outrage wins the day. It's celebrated, it's elevated, it's become our new normal. <laughs> Church, can I just take a moment and say to you, thank you for your maturity and handling issues like even how and when we should reopen our church. As you can imagine, for a church of our size, there's been lots of different opinions. Some felt we should never have closed in the first place. Some feel we're opening up a little too early. Some feel you should wear masks all the time. Some feel like that's an overreaction to what it is. And so how do we process all those differing opinions and thoughts? 
as your pastor, as I've been thinking about this, I shared this with our staff in our boards that one of my convictions that comes out of a calling is this when the Bible says, you know, again, don't forsake the assembling together. And so the moment that we can reopen and do so in a safe and responsible fashion, then I think it's time for us to reopen as quick as we can with the understanding of this, that every individual, that every family has wisdom and discernment. There are circumstances that each family face that are uniquely different. There are health histories that come into play. And so when you feel comfortable, when you feel it's the right time for you to rejoin us on the physical campus, that's the time for you to do it. And that there's no judgment one way or another, that there's no outrage on all these things. Church, can we continue to model to our country what it means to have mutual love and mutual respect for one another. All right, my rant is over. Back to Exodus chapter two. And we pick it up here. Now Moses was right in this moment to fear what would happen when Pharaoh finds out that he's killed one of his Egyptians. Verse 15, and sure enough, Pharaoh heard what had happened and he tried to kill Moses. And you know, when I hear Pharaoh's extreme response, it reminds me of this. I think there was probably some undermining tension that was already there. I think Pharaoh was very intimidated and insecure about this Hebrew prince that lived amongst them. And so any chance that he had to eliminate Moses, he would take it. And Moses gives him that opportunity. Verse 15, and sure enough, Moses, Pharaoh had heard what had happened and he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in the land of Midian. When Moses arrived in Midian, he sat down beside a well. Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters who came as usual to draw water and fill water troughs for their father's flock. So we see Moses, he he escapes his circumstance, but here's what I love about Moses. He never leaves his character, right? The context has changed, but his character remains the same. Verse 17, but some other shepherds came and chased them away. So Moses jumped up, rescued the girls from the shepherds. Then he drew water for their flocks. And the more I, I tell you, the more I learn about Moses, the more I love Moses, the more I respect who he was. He was not only intelligent, he was not only well-educated, but what I love about Moses is he could take care of his business. I mean, we see the context of the story. He goes all like Bruce Lee on these shepherds in these moments and saves the day as he goes. He's a stud, everything about him, it's awesome. Verse 18, so when the girls return to rule their father, he asked, why are you back so soon today? And they said, verse 19, an Egyptian rescued us from the shepherds. They answered, and he drew water for us and watered our flocks. Then where is he? The father asked. Why did you leave him there? Invite him to come and to eat with us. I I love the father. He hears the story and he's reminded, I got seven daughters that I need to get married off. And so he says, let me, ladies, let me see if I understand this. This man rescued you from all the shepherds. After he went all MMA on all of them and got them all out, then he he draws water for for the flock and cares for you. And rather than bring him here, you sent him away. Am I understanding that? Yeah, that's what he's like. Ladies, go get him. Bring him back. And so Moses comes, and I love as he comes. Listen, what's so interesting is they still think he's an Egyptian, and they probably, it's no wonder that they do. He's probably still dressed like an Egyptian. He's probably very well spoken like an Egyptian. For all of my 1980s peeps, he even probably walks like an Egyptian as he goes. So verse 21, Moses accepts the invitation, and he settled there with him. And in time, Ruel gave Moses his daughter Zipporah for his wife. And later she gave birth to a son, and Moses named him Jerusham. For he explained, I have seen a foreigner in a foreign land. 
And years passed and the king of Egypt died, but the Israelites continued to groan under their burden of slavery. They cried out for help and their cry rose up to God. God heard their groaning and he remembered his covenant promise to Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob. And I love verse 25. And he looked down on the people of Israel and knew it was time to act. God was ready to create a new normal for the children of Israel. And he did that by disrupting the heart of one man, an internal movement that created an external movement. A man who valued his character and his conscience and his calling more than his security and even more than his comfort. Moses was willing to do what was right, even though it wasn't easy. You know, over the next few weeks, as we continue in our study on this, we're going to see the impact of that one decision on a normal, hot Egyptian day in a quarry that created a new normal for millions of people and generations to come. But it came with an internal disruption. Friends, I'm not sure what that truth means to you today and how that speaks to you. I, I know for some of you, you are in the midst of difficult decisions that you're making right now. I know most of us in these days, there are still some challenging decisions to come in the days to come. And my hope for all of us is this, that we will be men and women, that the highest value in our life is not comfort and security. That when we come to these moments of big decisions that we'll be driven by our character, by our conscience, and by our calling. That we'll be guided by those things that will allow the Holy Spirit to create in us an internal disruption that will lead to an external disruption and that will create for all of us a new normal. Let's pray together. Father, this morning we're thankful for the example and for the life of Moses, who God at a moment of time and a moment of decision chose what was right over the comfort of the palace that we'll see over and over he was a man who lived by those convictions to do what was right, even though it wasn't easy. And a movement started by one single man. Lord, today a movement, a new normal can be defined in our families when it starts with just one of the family members. God, a movement and a new normal can start in a context of our relationships and our friendships as just one man or one woman puts conviction over comfort. God, in the life of our church, that we would be driven not by what is easy and what is convenient and what is comfortable. That the conviction of your spirit would speak loudly in our hearts and that we would respond. And that we would see, like Moses, generations changed in a new normal. In your name, amen. Thank you, Pastor Brian, and thank you, Church, for tuning in to LexCity.tv today. If you need prayer or to get into a group or want to support LexCity Ministries through giving, head over to LexCity.info. We invite you right back here next week on LexCity.tv, or when you're ready to join us on campus on Thursdays at 7 p.m. or Sundays at 10 and 11.30 a.m. We'll be saving a clean seat just for you. Have a great week in the new normal.